Hey there, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Have you ever had feelings that you didn't know how to express to God or to someone else? We've got good news. There's a whole book of the Bible that gives language to the deepest, rawest feelings that we have, and it's the book of Psalms. The rest of the Bible is God's words to you. The Psalms are your words to God. We pray that this message blesses you today. And if you're looking for more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. This morning now, we are in Psalms 16. And I want to tell you something dumb that I did recently. Can I do that? Is this a safe Safe God? Okay, good. So, you know, after two years of searching and researching and test driving and evaluating my finances, I recently bought a new truck. Yay! Right? So, and I love my truck, and I've already done a scrap metal run, so she's making money right now for me, right? Love. It was so much fun to pull the truck into the scrapyard and to see the boys again. Like, I haven't seen them in a long, long time, you know? It was great. It was like a reunion. So it was a good time. But you know what I did the first week after I got this truck? I literally only had it a week. You know what I did? I did not scratch it. Uh, But you can pray for me when that day comes because I'm really going to need Jesus when that happens, right? No, what I did was I'm driving in my truck and I'm driving by the dealership And I noticed on the lot, there's another truck for sale. And that truck's a different color than my truck. And I kind of like that color. And and that truck has alloy wheels. And my truck doesn't have alloy wheels. And as my mind is beginning to go down this track of, you know, what would it hurt if I just pulled in there and maybe offered to make a swap, like my truck, their truck, a little bit of paperwork, no big deal. Then as my mind is going down that track, I felt the Holy Spirit of God become my coach. And it's as if he could stick his finger in my chest. And I heard him, is it God ever use your last name when he's talking? He does sometimes to me. He goes, Rouse. What are you doing? I just got you a new truck and you're driving in it and you're already looking for another one, right? And in that moment, I'm going, oh, I am such a goober. Lord, forgive me. I can't believe you're right, God. What's wrong with me? You know, the Bible says that the eye never has enough of seeing. It's not that I'm not content with what I have. I like what I have, but I also want to have that and that and that. And some of that would be great. That's how we work. Do you struggle with the same thing? I mean, like, man, some days the thoughts in my mind, like my mind's not a safe neighborhood. You know, like some days I got this thug roaming the streets named Shame. You got shame sometimes. Some days I got this this thief called fear. He's working the shadows going, be afraid, be afraid. Some days I've got this con called victim saying, oh, poor you. Everybody's doing it to you. Other days I got this dealer named entitlement and he's working the corner going, oh, you deserve it, man. Go ahead. You need it, right? You worked hard for it. 
Other days, I got this, this pimp called lust going, look at that. Hey, look at that. Look at that. You know what I mean? Do you have the same? Man, my, some days, the streets of my mind just ain't safe. You know what I mean? And that's just what's going on inside of me. Now, not even talking about the outside influences seeking to come at me. This world is a dangerous place for my soul. Proverbs says, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Right? Guard your heart. Your heart's another word for your soul. Your soul's part of that, right? How do I guard my soul? How does it find safety when it's surrounded by so many enemies? Well, good news is we've got Psalms chapter 16. Part of the reason why we're going through the Psalms is because we want it to improve. We're hoping that it will improve our prayer lives as New River Church. Because sometimes we face things, feelings, emotions, and so forth that we just don't know how to verbalize. You know, I got stuff going on there. Have you ever been disturbed even by what you see? Like, but there's literally a psalm for that. You know, the rest of the Bible is God's word to you. Psalms could be said to be your words to God. Because the psalms are written by real people going through real junk. And they're, and they're pouring out their hearts to God. And so, have you ever had days where you, wanna, you want somebody to die? You're like, I wish, you want to wish some dude dead? Guess what? There's a psalm for that. You could express that to the Lord. You ever had days where you've had, felt so ashamed, embarrassed, afraid, anxious, fearful, you name it, fill in the blank? I guarantee you there's a psalm that will help you to put words to that and express that in your relationship with God. How many of you know, some days, like there are some things that I just can't tell another human being, Right? If I called you up and I told you what I was thinking in that moment, you'd be like, I got to call the cops. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? And the truth is, there's days I'd call the cops on you too. But I can take some of these darkest, deepest things and bring them before the throne of God. And that's the beauty of the book of Psalms. And so that's why we're going through it. Now, right away, you notice in Psalm 16, there's two important things just underneath the chapter title. It says, a miktam of David. You see that? That tells us two things about the psalm. Number one, it's written by David. David is the premier songwriter. He's King David, the shepherd boy turned king. We know the story of King David. Probably most of us know David and the Goliath and so forth. That's the same David. But it also tells us that this is a miktam. And the truth is, nobody knows what a miktam is. It's a weird Hebrew word. Scholars can't really define it or nail it down. However, we do have some best guesses as to what a miktam is. And one of the guesses is that it simply means safety psalm. It's a safety psalm. If you look at Psalm 16, as we will today, but then you look at other miktams, Psalms 56 through 60 are also miktams. And if you read them all like in the same sitting, you kind of catch that there's a theme there. And it's a theme of, I'm in danger, I'm seeking God for safety, he's my refuge. So perhaps miktam simply means safety psalm. Maybe. But now we're going to turn to this psalm, and here's my question for you. Where do you take your fear and your anxiety? Where do you find rest? 
As we read Psalm 16, I want you to imagine David. He's writing this, or he's thinking this, he's processing this. And you know, David spent 13 years on the run. He was a fugitive of King Saul's. King Saul literally wanted to kill him. And so David spent all that time, literally just a step or two ahead from, away from death. If he had been caught, it would have been off with his head right away. And so he spent 13 years like that. And so here's David. Can you imagine? And we don't know if this is the exact scenario behind Psalm 16, but perhaps. Can you imagine David? He's hiding in a cave, and Saul's men are just a few steps away. And David knows if they see him, he's a dead man. And so David pushes himself up against the wall of that cave in the shadows, like as tight as he can, you know? If he could become part of the rock, he would. He's pushing in. And David's holding his breath because, I don't want them to hear me breathing. And then he's holding his breath, but his heart starts to pound. He's like, stop, heart. They're going to hear my heart, right? I don't want to get caught. And as David is standing there in the shadows, trying to avoid being caught, he processes the fear and the anxiety that he's feeling right now. And this is the process that he goes through. Psalm 16, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. God is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Can you hear Him saying that over and over and over again? I can. He says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. All right, let's just walk back through this and, and highlight a couple of things. First of all, do you see the process that David works through? I, I, I verbalize it, I express it this way. He leans into God, and then he assesses what he has in God. And he realizes that not even death can separate me from what I have in God. And then he rests in his presence. So David leans, he assesses, and then he rests in the Lord's presence, okay? Let's just talk about that. First of all, David leans into God. Look at verse 1. That's his prayer. It's simple. It's direct. Keep me safe. Have you ever prayed a prayer that short? I have, right? Sometimes it's just, help! 
You ever prayed the help prayer? You know, sometimes I don't even have time to say the word. It's just more of a, uh, you know, <laughs> barely get the word out. This is David's prayer. Aren't you glad you don't have to pray in the King James language in order to be heard by God? Amen. Thank you, Lord. I don't need to use wherefore art thou's and so forth. I can actually just, just lay it out for you. Keep me safe, God, because I'm taking refuge in you. And look at verse 2. He says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In other words, God, I got no plan B. I got no backup plan. I got, I got, there's no back door where I can escape, God. You are my plan. You see that? You are my plan. Apart from you, I have no good thing. You're all that I've got, Lord. I, I find refuge in you, God. And then David processes two things. First of all, he realizes he's not alone. As for the holy ones who are in the land, he says, they're the ones in whom I delight. Aren't you glad to know that you're not in this alone? That Christianity is a team sport, right? That, that God has put you into a family. you got brothers and sisters, right? This is what David's reflecting on. And then David says, you know what? As for the false gods, I don't want anything to do with them. The, the, the libations of blood, I'm not going to pour out libations of blood. I'm not even going to mention their names. You see, this is how false gods work. False gods take and they take and they take and they never give anything. They make promises and then they leave you high and dry. False gods. Have you ever run into a false god in your life? We all have. We've all put our trust in something and then found ourselves empty. Have we not? That's a false God. I thought that this thing would come through, and it left me high and dry. See? And, and in the ancient world, false gods, you know, you, you pick a god like Baal. Let's say he's a popular god back then. Baal was a weather god. And, of course, these people were farmers. It was an agricultural society. So they, they need good weather for their crops. So, obviously, they're going to have to go through Baal to get that. That's their thinking. And so you've got to appease Baal. That's the idea. I've got to keep him happy. So let's see. I'm going to give him a chicken to, so that I can have good weather for my crops. Well, what happens if the weather's bad? The chicken didn't work. Oh, maybe I need to give him something more valuable. How about a sheep? I sacrifice a sheep. More blood. See the libations of blood? More blood to appease Baal. Well, what if... The weather's still bad and my crops are failing. Well, I, I better find something more valuable. How about a, a, a bull? So I, I, I sacrifice a bull to appease Baal. Well, what if the weather's still bad? I look around for something that's super valuable to me. Maybe my child. And this is exactly the heart behind child sacrifice in the ancient world. Actually, it still is. We sacrifice our children in favor of getting something that we want, right? So it's a false God. And David goes, you know what? I don't even want anything to do with them. Why? Because false gods take and they take. They give nothing in return. However, God, he gives and he gives and he gives. I mean, think about it. False gods require blood to appease them. And Jesus gave his blood, did he not? 
for you and for me, right? And David begins to reflect on this, what he has in God, and so he assesses it. And this is the next verse. Look at 5 and 6. He, this is all inheritance language. He says, you are my portion, my cup, my lot is secure. Boundary lines have fallen. I have a delightful inheritance. It's all inheritance language, which is ironic because David was the eighth son in his family. Eight. There he was, the eighth son, right? And that means he had seven older brothers. And back then... The oldest brother in the family received a double portion of the father's estate, right? And then after that, the second oldest brother, he gets a big chunk. Third gets another chunk. Fourth gets... By the time you get to David, the eighth son, Jesse was not a wealthy man. What's he got? Uh, here's an old blanket from your dad. You know, he's got nothing, right? And David's well aware of that. I don't have any earthly inheritance, however... God, mm, you are my delightful inheritance. Everything I have, I have in you. With you, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, God. You satisfy, you give. You are my portion. You are my cup. You see his language? It's beautiful. David's reflecting on what he has in God. And then, and then David continues on. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. In other words, I have access to the counsel of God. I have access to the very wisdom of the God of the universe. Wow, what a privilege. My dear friend, Christ follower, you have access to the wisdom of the God of the universe. See, there's no need for you to be confused or to be bewildered or to have a life that's upside down. There's no need for that because you literally have access to the wisdom of God. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives freely and liberally to all who ask. Right? Isn't that amazing? It's yours. So you have the same gift, right? And then verse 8, he says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I like that. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, fix your eyes. And so you know, I often sign my letter saying, eyes on Jesus, often how I do that. And here's David saying, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And he says, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And you can see him. Can you not picture him pressed up against the wall of that cave if that's the scary situation that he's in? And he's going, I will not be shaken. Mm-mm, I'm not shaken. Because he's assessing what he has in God, right? I have this beautiful, delightful inheritance. I have access to the wisdom of God, see? And you're at my right hand, and I am not shaken. And then... To the icing on the cake is verses nine or eight, uh, I'm sorry, nine and ten, where David says, My heart's glad, my tongue rejoices, my body will rest secure. He says, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, 
nor will you let your faithful one see decay. So here's what David's saying in his situation. He's saying, you know, not even death can separate me from these blessings that I have in you, God. Not even death. So now, put him back in the cave again. If Saul's men catch me and kill me, I'm still a blessed man. Right, see? And that, my friend, is a soul safe, despite the circumstances. See? This verse is interesting, this concept, David believing that he would one day be resurrected, that his body would not see decay. It's interesting because David lived a long time, 800,000 years, a long time before Christ. And in the Old Testament, there are actually only just a couple, two or three references to a future resurrection. And this is one of the clearest examples in the Old Testament of resurrection, right? And, and you would have to ask, where does David get his confidence from? See, David had not, David didn't know about Jesus, right? He didn't. His relationship with God was good. He was a man who followed God, but he, he didn't, you know, Jesus hadn't come yet. So, so where does David get his confidence that not even death will separate me from the goodness of God? I don't know, but I know that you and I have confidence because Jesus has conquered death in the grave, has he not? I mean, in fact, the apostle Peter actually used this passage and he quoted it in Acts chapter 2, verse 31, when he was preaching on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And Peter actually used this passage and then connected it directly to Jesus. And he, and he even brought in David. You know, David actually did die. He kind of did. And, but Jesus, he died, he rose again. And because Jesus conquered death in the grave, you and I have the confidence that if we place our faith and our trust in him, that death has no sting, the grave has no victory. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, not even death. So as I assess what I have in God, right? He's my inheritance, a good inheritance. He's, he's the one that he's, he's, I've got access to his counsel. He gives me wisdom. With him at my right hand, I have stability. I'm not shaken. And not even death can separate me from his love. Oh, hmm. now my soul is safe. And David reaches this third spot in the psalm where then he rests. After leaning on God, after assessing what he has in God and that not even death can take it away, David rests in God. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy in your presence. You see why David would refuse to worship false gods or depend on them? They leave you high and dry every time. And David instead puts all of his trust and all of his faith leaning on God in this situation. 
Ironically, the situation didn't change. Just because David leaned on God didn't mean that Saul's men stopped wanting to kill him. They still wanted to kill him. And the same is true for you and for me as well in our frightening situations. See, here's the deal. Sometimes God calms the storm, and other times God calms the sailor. But either way, it's a miracle, is it not? Like, it's a miracle if God steps in and says, peace be still, and the storm goes away. And it's just as much a miracle if that storm is raging and God's man or God's woman is standing tall in the middle of it, marked by peace, strength, joy, right? Is that not just as much a miracle? I would say it is. And that can be you and me. We can lean on him in our darkest times, and we can lean on him in our best times, and we can be assured that even if we die, all that I have in him is kept safe. And this is where my soul is safe. You see, one of the things that we notice about David in Psalm 16 is this. For David, God was the goal. God was not a means to the goal. And oftentimes we do treat God like a means to the goal. Like, God, I'm in this difficult time, and I really just want you to take that time away. Right? God, I'd be really great right now if I could just be in a hammock, you know, sipping a nice tea and like not worried right now. It'd be great, God, if you just take this away. And so we use God to get that. And then we wonder why we miss God. David didn't do that. For David, God was the goal. And he stopped there. And when God was his goal, David's soul was safe. See, we often treat God like a stepping stone and then wonder why we lose the joy of his presence. We need to begin to lean on God as our rock. And when we do, we find his strength, we find his joy, we find his presence. And that's something that not even death can take away. Does that make sense? See, for David, God was the goal in not getting out alive. I love the fact that David is surrounded by evil. And he's also surrounded by God in the midst of it. Crazy, isn't it? The Lord is my inheritance. This confidence can be yours as well, friends. I got a question for us just as we, as we think through this at the end. This all sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Do you believe it's possible to be so at rest with Jesus that regardless of what happens, I remain unshaken. Like hell itself could open up its gates and come against you. And you would stand there rock solid. Do you believe that's even possible? I do. I believe it is. I wonder if sometimes even that's not part of the reason why we go through stuff. Because that can't just be a theory. That's got to be practiced. And there's only, only, only one way to practice it. Our Father is faithful. He's like, well, let's, let's test that. And so when that happens, whatever the scary situation is you're facing, 
Psalm 16 is a great place to begin. Follow David's example. Lean into God. Assess what you have in God and that not even death can take it away. And then rest in his presence. I was thinking about that like I, I don't want to embarrass him at all, but just yesterday I was visiting Jack in the hospital. You know, Jack's uh, there, and he, he literally is actually right on death's door. Like, he's a pretty uh, sick cookie, but he doesn't feel it. He's got one of these, you know, it's one of those issues where, like, if a vein bursts, like, he's toast. So they've, they're keeping him in the hospital, keeping watch on him, that kind of thing, until they can get a surgery on tomorrow, hopefully. So that's where he's at. But in the meantime, he feels just fine, you know, and he's bored out of his skull in the hospital. But he literally is on the edge of death, literally. And yesterday, visiting with him and talking to him, and Jack goes, you know, worst case scenario is I go see Jesus. I'm cool. I was like, yep, that's exactly right. Worst case scenario. I see Jesus. That's not a bad, bad, that's not a bad worst case. What do you think? See, that's the confidence that a child of God can have when I'm leaning on God as my rock. I face death itself and there's no sting. Well, that about wraps it up for today. We pray that today's message encouraged you. And if you would like more information or just to contact us, go to our website at newriverchurch.org.